And it was funny when we were in, um, was it Nevada City? Nevada City, I was went to this cafe and there's this woman we know from another witchcraft tradition and uh, hadn't seen her for years. And I'm sitting there writing this ritual that we have been in ritual space creating. And then she walks in and she's like, what are you doing? And it was actually somebody who I could tell her what I was actually doing, not just like, oh, I'm writing my wedding ceremony. And uh, But she really supported my flow at that moment. It was great. Was so random. <laughs> It's the little moments in our lives that can be so rich. Little moments when synchronicity pops and we are seen at a deep level. These moments can and will happen at random, and they can also be thoughtfully cultivated with patience and care through ceremony and ritual design. And it's truly wonderful to go through that design process as part of a team. This is Shame Piñata. I'm Colleen Thomas. Welcome to Shame Piñata, where we talk about creating rites of passage for real-life transitions. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you've listened to any of our episodes from Season 1, you know that we mostly focused on stories about weddings. This season will branch out to share stories of people using ritual to honor a myriad of life transitions. But we'll still keep talking about weddings from time to time including today. Today we will hear the story of the hand fasting of my guest, Nick Venegoni, and his husband, Tom. It happened in a big open field in Oakland, California, and we'd like to take you along to give you a glimpse of the day. Hand fasting is an ancient Celtic ceremony in which the folks getting married or committing to each other have their hands tied together in a symbol of their connection. It's commonly associated with Wiccan or Pagan traditions, however, it's working its way into ceremonies and other traditions, even smaller secular ceremonies. Here's Tom. You can create any ceremony you want to make that hand fasting happen. You know, there's a sort of a template for marriages in our society that everybody is very mapped to, and... Um, a hand fasting gave us the opportunity to step outside of that um, pre-scripted experience to make something that was more meaningful and important and reflective of who we are. So what was the setting for your, your hand fasting? We, well, we actually spent a lot of time trying to find a place that we wanted to hold it at because we wanted to have it in a space where we could be, have the ceremony outside and then depending on you know, the weather possibly go inside if we needed to. But we had it in early May, and so we were fairly lucky with weather. And we ultimately landed at a park up in the Oakland Hills called Joaquin Miller Park, which is a large park, and there's lots of areas to it. And this is a particular area. It's sort of, you go up a hill, and as you're driving in, you can actually look west and see all of the Bay Area and San Francisco from there. But then once you go in, it feels very secluded and like you're in the middle of nowhere in the woods um, in this big sort of field where we had it. So that's where it was. Yeah, we basically rented a giant field in the park from the city of Oakland for the day. <laughs> and there were 200 people at your ceremony? At least, yeah. 
I'm curious what the process was, that planning process, which is such a rich time for couples. Was it like a spark of idea for one of you and the other one was like, oh, yeah. And what was the process you went through between like the beginning and like getting to that day? Mm -hmm. The beginning, middle and end that led us to the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Act one. (laughs) Um, Well, first... I mean, we used ceremony to create this ceremony, so there was actually more to it. We had created sacred space in a way that we do, and we invoked the muse, you know, just the spirit of inspiration. And then we went into our own experience and just tapped into spirit and let that information flow through us. Like, what 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 are you being drawn to? What feels important? What's going to, you know... And we weren't judging or questioning anything that came up, just like any good brainstorming session, but this was like spiritual brainstorming. So it was really about what is moving our energy and making us feel connected to the magic of this ceremony. So, um, so we, and then we wrote all that down and we used that as our blueprint to start to craft the ritual and incorporate those elements. Like how do we get there? We, we now know where we kind of want to go, but then how do we get there? And then a few weeks later, I think, we ended up going to, we went out of town to go visit a friend of mine and in this little town up in the foothills. And uh, I was hanging out with my friend and Tom just took all those notes and went and sat in a cafe one day and sort of came up with the first draft, I think. Well, not sort of. I did. <laughs> Then, then I put all of those, that vision together into the beginning of a cohesive whole. Um, you know, things were coming through like we wanted song and community and we wanted people, everyone to be able to participate. And we didn't want like a one person who stood in front of us. And we really wanted like a collaborative ceremony and, um, and then we just like ideas for, you know, col- like colors and props and ways to communicate with people. And um... and even elements like water, like we both got an impression of water. And we're like, well, we don't know how we're going to bring water into it. <laughs> we're not going to be near a body of water, but we'll figure that out. And then I think there was something else about dancing. We wanted to have dancing be part of it. Mm-hmm. And then we asked a friend of ours who we've known for a number of years to not necessarily be the officiant, but we were calling her the priestess of ceremonies um, to sort of be the ringleader. And so then we met with her, I think, at least one or two times and got her feedback about what what might need to be changed or adjusted from her perspective in terms of being the one who's going to be running the show most Mm -hmm. of the time. Yeah, the whole how is this actually going to work, boots on the ground. Um, So, yeah, there were a lot of phases to it. It was like a two-hour ceremony that was just kind of (laughs) non-stop. What came through very clearly for Nick and Tom was that they wanted to have a ceremony that was not only about them, but also about their community. They wanted to create a magical, transformative experience for everybody to be in a love spell together and for each person to weave their own love magic for themselves, for Nick and Tom, and for the world. It had a lot of layers, but when we needed, the, you know, sort of to cast, quote unquote, you know, put the right people in place who would be able to 
you know, hold it properly, witness it properly, because we had a lot of, um, you know, in the lingo, unrehearsed participants. So there are people who we knew were familiar with various forms of this form of ritual or this type of ritual, like in general. And then we had, you know, people from like our family or friends of friends who this might have been the first time they've done something like this. So we couldn't let it be totally technical, but we had to move the, move the ceremony in a way to let people naturally invoke and fall into and create the energy as the spell was continually shaped until we kind of sort of sent it off as a prayer to the universe at the culmination of the spiral dance. Nick and Tom put most of their wedding gifts toward bringing in an art photographer they knew and loved to fully document the day in his own artistic style. As we talked, Nick and Tom looked through their wedding album and reflected on the day. Can you describe one or two of those pictures? Sure. Well, um, on the cover is the actual Our Hands Fasted. You know, a lot of people, even like gay men, we, we, you know, we see a lot of like gay men's weddings and they look just like sort of straight people's weddings, but the gay version and two guys wearing tuxedos or whatever. But even like our clothes, we had somebody like hand make us these sort of like loose linen clothes so that we could be comfortable and I wore all yellow and Nick wore all red so kind of like the Queen of England you would know exactly where we were right like we because it was a big crowd and a big space and so that was one way we drew attention to ourselves so it's our, our hands and over the bowl of water so water came into it because we had this blessing we had a big bowl of water and it, we didn't want one officiant we had to explain what well, we had our mistress of ceremony priestess of ceremonies explain that at some point in the ritual, everybody was going to become our efficient, efficient. So we had this bowl of water and then like everybody lined up and, and we didn't want to sit there and have to talk to everybody and like, oh, this is so beautiful. Thank you. You know, blah, blah, blah. We didn't have time or space or energy for that. So we had somebody else come up with a simple song and we were like, everybody just sing this simple chant song while you're in line and when you, and while you come up to us because it was also just part of the energy and then they put their hands in the bowl and then they sort of said their silent blessing for us and then like poured like sprinkled that water on our hands so our hands were over the bowl of water and that was what was on the cover of the book is us with our hands fasted over the bowl of water during the part where everybody was coming up to us singing this lovely song about um all life comes from the sea everything returns to the sea and uh anyway so that's the front cover of the the book is you just see like our hands hand fasted over the the blessing bowl which was actually the moment when in sort of a traditional ceremony they're like i now pronounce you but like everybody was doing it but we didn't want them to they're not making our relationship we're making our relationship but we want their blessing and also it was very important for us and for the spell and for the love spell and for the magic to have our community like acknowledge like two men making this, you know, commitment, this romantic commitment, because we were creating like this energetic template of something that, you know, exists in the world in like an ambivalent and sometimes controversial and lots of times invisible way. And we were like part of the magic was putting it right out there not like once but you know 200 times <laughs> and that part of the ceremony was actually for me one of the most magical things because this thing happened and at one point i'm like why is this happening so 
Tom's cord was red and my cord was green and then they were sort of tied together over our hands. And about halfway through, I look down and the water in the bowl is turning blue. And I'm like, <laughs> what is going on here? This is like, we are transforming water with the magic. And it wasn't until about, we almost got all the way through that my mind, because I w was so in the moment, started thinking more analytically. Oh, it's probably dye from the green cord was leaking from the water into the bowl, <laughs> turning it blue. I could see that people really wanted that that moment with us and that we weren't going to be able to have that. And so we had to like engineer that. We weren't going to have like a reception line, you know, that, that whole thing. So, um... So that was amazing to basically be married by every single person we invited. We're so glad you're here. If you enjoy the show, you can become part of the Shane Pinata community by sharing your story about how you marked an important life transition, either the kind they do or don't make party decorations for. Visit the contact page at shanepinata.com to get in touch and share your story. And if you have a friend who's in wedding planning mode, please share this episode with them. I shared that a big focus of the Shane Pinata podcast is to encourage people to do whatever they might want to do for their wedding instead of what might be expected of them. And our conversation turned to the wedding industry and the pressure it can create for couples. Well, that's commercialism and capitalism. And, you know, they, they want you to believe that the only way you're going to get that meaningful experience is if your budget is at a certain level and you consume these things and then your ceremony just becomes about whether how good you feel about how close you came to that ideal rather than that you just were witnessed by the people who love you making a commitment to somebody that you want to spend your life with. Well, I also think that's the the blessing of being being queer. You know, not just around your wedding, but around anything is that you know, there's a challenge that comes with it because you have to create something new because it hasn't really existed before. Although we're getting far enough along now where things have existed before for younger queer people. But, you know, so the challenge is you have to create it, but the gift is that you get to create whatever you want. You don't have to do some predetermined thing. I mean, some people feel like they have to try to fit into this box that other straight people things that other straight people have done before, but you have the chance to create something new that's going to be right for you, whether that's your wedding or your relationship or your job or the way that you run your household or who your family are, you know, any of those things. Yeah, and the rest of it are just pictures of, you know, various moments like drumming and spiral dance and... So were the two of you in the center of the spiral during the dance, or were you in the in the spiral? Yeah, we ended up in the center. Yeah, yeah. And our our friend Urania, who's a reclaiming tradition teacher and priestess, um, she's really good at leading spiral dances. So we had her because there was no way we were going to be able to think at that point. We needed somebody who just knew, had done it so much; it was just in her body, you know. <laughs> And um, so she was in the front, and then it was Nick, and then it was me. And so when we wound in, we just ended up in the middle. So instead of, like, winding in and then normally you wind back out again, we just wound in and then stayed there. So then we were, like, in the center. So then when everybody was 
let go of each other's hands, we were like in the center of this big onion, you know, of just love and power and, and, and getting to just take it all in. And there was actually a funny part during the ritual. This is actually one of my favorite things. Right after we had our hands fasted, the priestess of ceremonies, Jenya, she had found like four plants in the group that she went to beforehand and was like, okay, there's a part of the ritual. When this happens, I'm going to cue you and you need to do this. So they were going to call to us and we had to then, but they were calling to us from like four different parts of the circle at one time. So obviously if we're tied together, we can't just tear off willy nilly. We have to figure out what are we doing? What's our priority? Who are, what direction are we going to go together? And it was like a challenge for us, like a spiritual challenge in the midst of the ceremony that was like an energetic template for what it's like to be married, you know, where it's like, oh, if we're going to, if we're tied together, we have to kind of figure out like, when do we go in your direction? And when do we go in my direction when, when, when there's not agreement, you know? So it was this funny moment. We were both like, like a cartoonish moment where we just sort of took off, like, like I'm going this way, I'm going that way. We're like, oh, wait, we're like tied together. Are you going to tear my arm off, you know? <laughs> like, like a rubber band kind of thing where we sort of like popped away from each other and then sort of snapped back and kind of bonked heads and, you know. <laughs> and then we had to sit and, and have a conversation in front of everybody, a quiet, they couldn't really hear what we were saying, where we were like, what do we what do we do? Which way do we go? Where do you want to go? Where yeah. do you, I want to go? And so then we just made a decision and walked towards somebody and everybody was like, yay, they figured out their first challenge as a married couple. Because we'd been together <laughs> for like 12 years already, you know. No, it was uh, 2009 years. Nine years. Yeah. So, um, so that was like another way that the that our community was witnessing us behaving as a married couple. And we were like normalizing like, yes, see, we're married and this is what married people do. We're just, it's just like every other, every other marriage where you have to figure it out. And this is not any different. And we just got like 200 people in one moment to go, that's a marriage. (laughs) (laughs) So it was just great. We were just, we built in a lot of that affirmation felt really, really important because, you know, the, the legal, the Supreme court decision had only come down that, uh, that July, July of 2013. And we actually got legally married at a courthouse with a friend of ours in um, August. August of 2013. Cause we were knew we were ready and we just did it. And then we then had this other ceremony in May that was more of like the public because, you know, legally we needed to just get the paper signed. You know, we already, everything else was in place. But then we had to have, like, the big celebration. And, um... Yeah, we actually used our photo that we took of us the day we got legally married as our wedding announcement. Yeah. <laughs> but we didn't tell people, we got married at the courthouse and now we're gonna, we're getting really married. We, yeah. you know, it was all, it was all... You know, we had been denied that. We couldn't have gotten married any sooner. You know, we could do domestic partnership. We could do all these yeah. legal things. So, um, so again, it was so new that we really wanted to, like... There was a political element, a little bit of political theater involved also, where we really were like, let's not just sort of, like, hide and be quiet about this. Let's go, okay, you know, like, no take backs. <laughs> this is it. We're done. We're moving forward now. 
This is the new beginning point for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, there are still people who are resistant to that, but um, we're not, there's no, we're not going back. (laughs) I'm so grateful to Nick and Tom for sharing their planning and ritual process for such a large scale event and grateful to have had a peek inside their special day. I want to encourage and remind you that if you ever find yourself in wedding planning mode, know that the sky is the limit in terms of your choices for ceremony creation. Of course, there are financial realities, and familial traditions will be part of the story, but your imagination and ability to step outside the box will always be there for you. Nick Fenagoni and his husband Tom live in San Francisco, California, and have been together for 15 years. Nick is the host of the Queer Spirit Podcast and is a sound healer practitioner who enjoys making homemade pickles. Tom is a mystic and ritualist in the School of Natural and Ancestral Witchcraft and co-creator of the Trees and Stars Open Coven for the exploration of the hidden mysteries of spirit, nature, self, and the cosmos. Our music is by Terry Hughes. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast player to make sure you're notified when new episodes are released. Learn more at shamepinata.com. I'm Colleen Thomas. Thanks for listening.